Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from The Lancet Oncology. It's June 2023 and my name is Dr Cheryl Reeves. This month I'm delighted to be joined by Dr Madeleine Pei from the European Organisation for Research and Treatment of Cancer Headquarters in Belgium who is going to talk to us today about her policy review entitled Setting International Standards in Analyzing Patient-Reported Outcomes and Quality of Life Endpoints in Cancer Clinical Trials, Innovative Medicines Initiative, Stakeholder Views, Objectives and Procedures, published in our June issue. Please explain why it is so important that the standards for the design, analysis and interpretation of patient-reported outcomes and quality-of-life endpoints in cancer clinical trials are raised to at least the same level as other clinical endpoints. So thanks for this question, Cheryl. So to answer this question, we should actually ask ourselves a basic question. Why do we provide treatment to cancer patients? And to address this, we always have to go back, or at least I go back, to the three main aims that the World Health Organization envisioned for the development of cancer therapies. You know, we provide treatment so patients could be cured, that they live longer and have a good quality of life. And these goals are actually reflected in the endpoints and the outcomes that we see in our cancer trials, such as overall survival, tumor disease-related endpoints, such as progression-free survival, and health-related quality of life. And although we have advanced in the use of survival and tumor-related endpoints in the decision-making regarding anti-cancer therapies, we don't see a lot of decisions made based on patients' quality of life. And then when we try to understand the reasons for this by talking to the various stakeholders and examining the literature through systematic reviews on the use of quality of life endpoints in cancer trials, we would always, always come back to the same outcome the standards of quality of life is lacking, which makes it difficult for decision makers to make informed decisions based on this endpoint. So if our aim is to have quality of life endpoints considered and included in the decision making of various stakeholders, we have a job to do to ensure that the standards for the quality of life endpoints are raised to at least the same level as the other clinical endpoints. Absolutely. Please elaborate on why there was a need to involve a diverse group of experts and stakeholders, including regulators, HTA bodies, industry and academic trialists, statisticians, methodologists, clinicians and patient representatives in the development of these consensus recommendations. And also, what are the challenges faced by involving such a diverse international group of stakeholders? So when thinking about developing recommendations for PRO analysis and cancer trials, our first instinct is to usually say that this is an area where statisticians or PRO methodologists should just figure out because this is their expertise. But what we are realizing is that if we want to make an impact and not have our recommendations be just another publication, we should actually strive to move the discussions beyond individual expert or stakeholder groups. Because if we keep the conversations within our individual expert or stakeholder communities, we actually create this divergence and fragmented approach in dealing with PROs. And this becomes very confusing very quickly. And ultimately, the resources invested by everyone, including our patients' time and effort, in providing information about how they experience their treatment 
become wasted because the evidence provided by these PROs either do not address stakeholder needs or they do not reach a standard which stakeholders can use to draw conclusions about the benefit-risk assessment of a cancer treatment. In a way, you know, we are very fortunate that when we developed physical and now physical IMI, that the timing and interests aligned across the various stakeholder groups. And this is not only in the EU, but also globally. And as you mentioned, we are now finally having a conversation and aiming to find consensus across different international stakeholder groups, the academic and industry cancer trialists, oncologists, our clinicians, statisticians, regulatory and HDA bodies, our PRO quality of life specialists and patient representatives. And of course, by bringing these various experts and stakeholders together on the same table, this will also lead to challenging discussions that reflect individual stakeholder views. But that should be expected because if everyone agreed from the start about how we should develop these recommendations or how it should look like, then there's no need to have these consensus discussions. You know, as physical IMI, we try to be pragmatic. And from the start, we knew that stakeholders will most likely come from a different starting point when it comes to their views on PROs, including potentially having already individual policies for their organizations. But these diverging views are useful because it allows us to learn from each other and understand what each other's needs are and maybe discover that there are more similarities in our thinking than differences. And what we have all agreed upon is that when it comes to developing good practices and methodology for, for PROs, this is an area that we could all strive to have consensus on. And we also agreed that it is not always possible to, to have 100% consensus on all our recommendations. Therefore, if there are diverging views on a specific recommendation, we should just be as transparent as possible. We will write down the concerns and also be transparent on how various stakeholder groups position themselves for each recommendation. And so far, this approach has helped us move forward together as a consortium as evidenced by this current publication of this uh, policy review, where we agreed on the priority list for the PRO objectives and endpoints that we will develop recommendations for. But I also want to emphasize actually that what makes this consortium work is the commitment of the people involved in physical IMI. I see them as all advocates for better use of PRO and quality of life endpoints and patient-centered outcomes in cancer clinical trials. And we want things to change for the better. So the willingness to communicate and find resolution across this divergence is definitely there. Thank you. Can you elaborate on why it's important to test whether the recommendations are understandable and feasible to implement in the protocol and statistical analysis plans of cancer clinical trials? So let's say by 2024, and when we all agreed on a set of recommendations, we publish it and let the oncology community implement it. Um, but the issue here is then when we are so involved in a project, the issues we think that are obvious may not be so obvious for those who have not taken part. And it's also the other way around, that we may miss some critical issues because we are so involved in the project, it's hard to step back and see how a person uninvolved in the process would actually view these recommendations. 
our main concern really here is that we will end up with published recommendations that is not understandable. And so they cannot be used by the users that we want to reach. So we try to alleviate some of these concerns by having what we call blind members. So these are members who have not been part of the process of developing these recommendations. And we will test whether these blind members understand the recommendations and how they will implement this in the protocol and statistical analysis plans. By doing this, we are able to somehow check how users outside of the statistical IMI consortium will use them. But by having this work done through the development process of these recommendations, we hope that by the time we release the recommendations, it has already improved in such a way that the community can understand what these recommendations are and support its implementation in their own studies. Okay, thank you. A set of priority pro objectives was agreed upon and recommendations will be developed by the end of 2024. Is that when the standards and guidance for pro data analysis in clinical trials will be ready and available to use in decision making? Well, we hope that it was that simple, you know, that we publish these recommendations in 2024 or early 2025. And the next day, it's already being implemented by everyone and we have one standardized practice. But we know that's not how science and progress work. You know, when these recommendations are published, it will need some time for organizations to implement its use. And some recommendations will be implemented faster than others, such as those recommendations that are maybe closer to current practice. Whereas recommendations where there is a need to shift our thinking or procedures would probably take some more time. So we will also need to check uptake and how it works in the real world and continuously connect with our stakeholders and other users to ensure that the recommendations address their needs. But what I can say is that we are doing our best to ensure that we have the relevant stakeholders and organizations involved when developing these recommendations. This way, awareness and some groundwork has already been done within these organizations. And we also have the EMA qualification for novel methodologies, which is also part of the work plan within the project duration. And we hope that this will help um, ensure that these recommendations are also relevant for EMA decision-making. And we are also developing a sustainability plan to support the implementation of the recommendations either, even after project end. But finally, and I think what is also very important is that we are also hoping that these recommendations would create more interest for the implementation of PROs both in research and in practice so we can continue to learn and then we generate more robust evidence for the appropriate use of PROs and then move this field even uh, forward. Okay. So is the wider clinical community ready to, to adhere to your guidelines and adopt the standards and guidance for pro-data analysis in cancer clinical trials? In reality, how easy will it be to implement this? So people have been talking about inclusion of PROs for a long time. But in the current clinical trial environment, stakeholders are actually finally coming together and truly recognizing the relevance of PRO endpoints in decision-making for anti-cancer therapies. And the wider clinical community is more accepting now relative to before, and that's a big step forward. And in terms of implementation, 
the recommendations should not differ so much from what is expected of good practices for other clinical endpoints. But the question is whether people are willing to invest resources in thinking about their PRO or quality of life objectives, the design of that, the analyses, and the interpretation of that data, and also invest resources in collecting this data properly to ensure that we have good quality data that we can all use. And I assume that the answer to this question should be yes. We should be investing resources on this because the fact is patients' input about their treatment and the treatment's impact on various areas of patients' quality of life should be and should have always been an essential part of decision-making regarding cancer medicine. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Pei. It has been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, the full article is now available online on the Lancet Oncology website and you can subscribe to In Conversation with the Lancet Oncology wherever you usually listen to your podcasts.